another big podcast and of course another big guest ian we are joined by a special guest today please welcome him to the show welcome zach wilson we appreciate you coming on zach is the director of content for the playgrounder and he's also a member of the playgrounder podcast what's up zach thanks for coming on man hey guys i uh i i'm honored to be um described as like a big guest you know i don't think i uh i necessarily fit the context of big but um we were kind of talking before the show how obviously byu's quarterback zach wilson i think he'd definitely be a bit of a bigger guest than me but every time byu plays and he has some crazy play or some insane throw you know my name or his name is just flooding the timeline and i usually reply to a lot of the tweets as if they're talking about me or talking to me so uh i don't know that's just a really corny thing i do but hey thanks for having me on i uh, i love talking hoops well we're gonna get to hoops but first let's talk about the content creator that you guys are with, which is the Playgrounder. And why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, this content churner that that you are working for right now and tell us exactly, you know, you guys have a lot of great people that are now working there. We're starting to see this thing really blossom. How did this get started? Yeah, I really appreciate you, you know, kind of bringing up how we have a lot of great people because I really think that too. I think we're up to 12 people. We just brought on a couple new ones and, you know, I really like what we got going on over there. And aside from just being great content creators and great writers and podcasters, it's just, it's like, it's like a family and and we're really close. And we just, we really kind of preach that me and Matt, when we're looking at new people is, you know, we look at the person first before the writer or before the podcaster, you know, we we like, you know, people who are obviously just like respectful and kind and easy to get along with. And the people who love hoops and are passionate about it, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting how it started off. So I had like my own, independent podcast where I was just talking basketball, trying to get into the business, trying to build connections. And me and Matt had always followed each other on Twitter. So I decided to DM him one day, ask if he wanted to join the pod. And he did. And he came on and we realized we had pretty good chems. So we thought about, hey, why not just start our own, call it The Playgrounder, because he had previously already started up his own website called The Playgrounder. And I liked the name and it kind of took off from there. We decided to fuse the two together, bring some more people on board. And now we're up to, I think, three total podcasts plus our YouTube channel. And then, like I mentioned, like 12 total writers, I think. So it's uh, it's really fun. I really recommend everyone check it out. Well, you mentioned 12 writers, and that includes you. You put out a new article today talking about the Raptors offseason and kind of, you know, the checklist of what they're going to have to go through and who they should prioritize, especially with their own free agents as they head into the offseason. Was writing your first passion and, and kind of what you brought to the table for the Playgrounder or was it more the voice? Were you more the podcast side of it where writing was just a way for you to, as a lot of people are in these times, diversifying what they can try and achieve? Yeah, talking has probably always been my strong suit. I think my family and friends would tell you that to a fault. Um, I, I, I like to talk. I like to express myself. And I always ca- uh, kind of found trouble expressing myself in my writing. And, you know, I was talking to our editor today and I was talking about, man, I really want to be able to express myself more in my writing and, you know, be a little more sarcastic and a little edgy. And we were kind of talking about ways to do that, because I think one thing we were talking about this, the way writing's taught in school is, you know, it's, it's basic, it's plain, it's get the information across. It's it's boring in a sense. And, you know, no one's going to want to read a piece of me breaking down the Celtics when Zach Lowe's releasing the exact same piece. So I needed to find something to be unique and be my own person. So I'm actually releasing a piece this week on Philly and their off season and everything they got going on. So um, we'll be on the lookout for that. See how it turns out because it's my first piece kind of straying away from the 
basic sort of analytical breakdown of basketball. Well, it is funny you mentioned Philly because I can't quit Philly. I'm, I'm, I, you know what? I'm like Zach Lowe in a way. I mean, we can't, that's the literally the only thing that I'm similar to Zach Lowe about is <laughs> I cannot quit Philly. You know, they, they just do it to every year. They do it to every year, man. And here they are bringing in Daryl Morey, re-signed Elton Brand, um, bring in Doc Rivers. And Doc today, I think, actually, you know, continued to fill out the rest of his coaching staff. Dave Yeager, Sam Cassell, uh, Dan Burke, and it looks like potentially even Popeye Jones. So lots of things happening in Philly. So I got to ask you, man, what can we make out of the mess in Philly right now? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, you see a lot of people on the timeline saying how, wow, Philly did really great. They brought in a GM who's flopped out of the playoffs the past two years and then a coach who blew a 3-1 lead. And as much as that is true, those things are on their resume, I think. It's important to remember that. Doc, <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, Doc yeah. won a championship in Boston. Daryl Morey is the only general manager to put together a, a team who really, really contended with, you know, the, the Steph and Duran and Clay Warriors. So, they have a lot of big personalities, I guess, to say the least. A lot of guys who have had success in the league. Uh, and then, really, they have, a, they have a talented roster for as weirdly of a fit together it is. They have a lot of talent on every level there. So, it, it, it'll be interesting. As you said, I would expect Daryl to probably get some more shooting. But then again, I just I don't know how much you can do with the, uh, the cap space and whatever they have going on there. Well, well, we're so, going to get to that because I yeah, got a couple I, ideas. I got some ideas percolating on okay. on how they can maybe do it. And I'm sure when Daryl took the job, he's got a whole lot more ideas than me. But, Sean, you had a follow-up there. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually to that point is that obviously Maury steps in as the Masai Ujiri and Elton Brand is retained as the Bobby Webster in this kind of this tree of executives here. But there's one of two ways to think of this. And, and you mentioned, you know, full disclosure. We're now at the point, we're about eight minutes in. We actually filmed this eight minutes already, but I didn't hit record or it didn't record. So just so you know, we just did that twice. That's how good we all are. Okay, so pats on the back to us. But what, what I'm trying to, to figure out is, do I look at this one way where it's like Daryl Morey's coming into a situation that is the least Daryl Morey situation that you can think of? Or do I look at this as he does have a lot of ammo if he wanted to go make a big splash. And two previous points that you made, Zach, he's not scared to go make those splashes. And this may not be the positionless team that Daryl Morey wants, where he has, you know, basically shooting at every level. But it's not like he doesn't have pieces that people want. No, so my yeah, question they... then, yeah, go ahead. My question oh, then becomes, saying, yeah. where, where do we lean here? Is it, this is a complete disaster and this is going to go poorly? Or is it Daryl Morey is going to work some Daryl magic here? I think the one, the most important thing to think about is everyone looks at Daryl and they just see three-point shooting where it's not necessarily the three-point shooting he's so in love with. He loves the analytics and the most efficient way to score. And a lot of that is leaned on three-point shooting, but it's not necessarily he wants to jack up 50-plus threes, especially especially if he doesn't have the roster for it. You know, we've seen him in Houston. He went after Dwight. He was trying to get Chris Bosh. You know, he even went after Russell Westbrook this past offseason, who we know isn't necessarily known as a good shooter. Um, so Speak of yeah. least Daryl Morey person ever. <laughs> right. So, Russell Westbrook. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it, there, there's a lot of stuff going on about how he came and who actually wanted him. But either way, you know, I would expect them to probably try to get some more shooting. But, you know, you're probably going to have to get off one of those huge contracts if you're going to bring in a legitimate, you know, shooter or a couple legitimate shooters to free up the cap space for it. So uh, 
the one thing, as you mentioned about Daryl Morey, when he wants his guy, he'll go get it and he'll do literally anything to go get him. Like he will trade every asset your team has. And I guess it's up to, well, we'll see in this really quick off season, potentially if he can make it, get it done in time. Well, there's no doubt too, that Daryl likes getting stars. I mean, that's always been the case. Obviously it's been talked about more, you know, talked about a ton, but he's always been that way. And he is in a scenario now where he does have two legitimate ones. So I'm going to ask you, are you a believer in the Embiid Simmons thing? And I'm going to, I'm going to follow up with, with this because everyone likes to write off the Embiid Simmons thing. And that's fair. The evidence suggests it doesn't work so far, but the team around Embiid and Simmons hasn't exactly been the perfect fit for them. I mean, ideally if you have an Embiid and Simmons, you are stuffing that roster with shooting you know, you're stuffing that roster with shooting, you know, maybe some switchiness and defense. And instead, it really hasn't, they really haven't done that. They've gone the other way. So I'm going to ask you, are you a believer in the Embiid and Simmons thing? Yeah, no, if anything, I would almost argue that it has worked. It's more just been their bench and their supporting cast. You look last year with, you know, they surrounded so true. them with Jimmy Harris and Redick, and they probably gave the Raptors the biggest fight in the, their entire playoff run. They took them to seven. It took Kawhi a miraculous shot to win. You even look the year before, I think their starting lineup was rated the number one starting lineup in the league when they had Covington and Saric, and I think mm-hmm. Redick was also there. So i yep. a huge believer. Both of them can fit together. Are they still the most seamless fit? No, I don't think Simmons is the most seamless fit next to anyone but shooters. But they can work together. I don't think all five guys need to shoot. If you put three guys who are three indie guys around them, I you can make it work. So I'm not big on trading one of them. Um, but yeah, I definitely think they. it's just not this current construction. Well, and you mentioned efficiency. Maury loves efficiency. And where is Embiid the most efficient? It is near the basket. The guy is downright unstoppable when he is healthy, in shape, and engaged to get to the basket. And Maury's fine with layups. It's layups and threes, or at least that was the D'Antoni-Maury combined theory. So I think that, to your to your guys' point, I think to give up on either of them would be difficult. Ian, do you have a potential trade scenario that you want to throw out to Zach? Because, Zach, this podcast is going to be chocked full of fake trades. So just it. be prepared. So... To me, because you're right, the main concern needs to be shooting. And the biggest name out there that has been linked to Philly has been Buddy Heald. So for anyone out there who's confused, Buddy Heald stopped responding to uh, his coach's text messages. That was reported by Jason Jones in The Athletic. Uh, that's not ideal, I would no, say. Um, no. You know, the person that, I mean, the person that is basically your boss, you kind of want to respond to that guy. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's gone sideways. Buddy was coming off the bench and Bogdanovich was starting. It's a whole mess. So that is the first name that came to mind. So I think Sacramento is a team that could probably use a big, but the problem is that Horford contract is so poisonous. It is so poisonous. It's not as bad as Harris, but it's so poisonous. So let me throw this one at you. I got two of them. So I tried all day, literally all day to try now find Al Horford trade destinations. And this is literally the only one. So the first one was Harrison Barnes and Corey Joseph for Al Horford and Mike Scott. Now, that doesn't solve the Buddy Heald, getting you Buddy Heald problem, gets you off Horford, gets you someone, gets you another freaking power forward, but at least you get off that money. The other one I found was Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald for Al Horford, Mike Scott, and Josh Richardson. I liked that one more. What do you think? Yeah, probably... 
probably the second one because probably Sacramento would want a bit more for taking on that Horford contract. Um, but I also, I mean, I'm not talking to GMs on the regular, but I don't think everyone thinks of Horford as low as most do. I think they can still see him True. as a serviceable player. I think if you surround him again with shooters and you kind of don't place him next to another guy who plays the same position as him, you can make something work because he's still a strong defender. He's still a good passer. Uh, he can. He's not a horrible shooter. I mean, he. I think he's above thirty percent, above thirty four percent on his past he used couple to years. Kill the Raptors too. Right. So I mean, he's still a solid player, but it is you know the big contract. So. You know, that that second one is interesting. Uh, you said uh, Barnes and Heald. Barnes Richardson. and Heald, Horford, Richardson, and Scott. That's Barnes on that team would be wild, though. Uh, he, he is well, literally Tobias Harris who can't he's a forward. He's a, he's a, he is a four now. He that's the problem. Four. You're adding a four. But Heald, Heald shooting, I mean, that's the beauty about Heald, right? Ten threes a game. He's at like 42%. If I, and if I was Doc, I would literally say Mr. Heald, I want you to take like 15 threes a game. You know, like I did, that's all I want you to do. And I think that is going to be the main, and I think the problem is when you're thinking of sweeteners, you're not going to want to use Matisse Thibel as a sweetener. He is a, you need to keep him. Zaire Smith never panned out. Ferknan Korkmaz is fine. I don't know what he's getting you. So the main sweetener is Richardson. So where else, how else do they unclog this roster? Where could you see someone like Horford? Cause I, I, or even Harris, if you can enlighten us on Harris, what do you think? How do they unclog this roster? Yeah, I I mean, I think that's the really tough part, and that's why they brought Daryl Morey in to do it, because as we mentioned, <laughs> yeah. he's a guy who, when he sees what he wants, he gets it done. Um, I do think adding guys like Heald and Barnes gets Philly probably halfway there. I do think they need a guy who can also run pick and roll and kind of true be a pick and roll ball handler next to Embiid, or even with Simmons as a screener, or you kind of put Simmons in the short corner and let, Ooh, as I yeah. mentioned, you know, an Embiid, whoever pick and roll i i guess if you can find a way to send them to indiana for something and get oladipo that's obviously a risk we don't know what oladipo is looking like because you know he just can't oh, we're gonna crazy get there. injury but um maybe a guy like oladipo chris paul's the big name but that that would be a blockbuster trade if i've ever seen one the money going both ways um but he would legitimately be a perfect fit if they could find a way to unclog money for free agency and sign a guy like Fred Van Vliet, I think he would be a really good fit, but I just don't see that happening because they're not going to be able to free up enough cap space to sign Fred. It would have to be some sort of sign and trade, which I don't see the Raptors being interested in at all. Uh, but yeah, it's a, I think you need a pick and roll ball handler as well as a guy who can shoot. So we're, we're going to get to, we have a lot of fantasy land coming. We got a lot of free agency, a lot of a lot of fake trades, and and obviously we end up with quick hitters. But before we leave Philly, I just have to ask you one question because I feel like if you're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers, you have to ask this question. I am Josh Harris. You are Daryl Morey, Zach. You've made it. You're the president of the 76ers. Okay. Congrats, I made man. It. That's I, awesome. I'm the I'm the owner. I'm kind of scared. Things <laughs> have gotten too bad. This is a Kobe and Shaq moment. You have to move one. Are you team NB or are you team Simmons? Uh, I, um, yeah. So I was talking with Adam Aronson, Sixers, Adam on Twitter about this exact topic. And we both brought up how we're not into trading either of them, but if, you know, I had a gun to my head, I had to trade one of them. I would trade Simmons and Ooh. I know I'm on, I'm on the minority on that, which is kind of yeah. weird. Cause I think if you asked anyone, they would it tell shifted. you Embiid's right. I think, but I still think anyone who tells you they would keep Simmons would agree that Embiid's still the better player. It's just Simmons probably is easier to kind of fit guys around, which 
maybe the fit has to be a little more construed to playing around a big man if you're going with Embiid, but I think the difference in skill gap is too much. I think Embiid is a guy who can probably be the best player in a championship team if you kind of constructed the roster perfectly. I I have my like top 20 ranked in tiers rather than one by one by one because it's mm-hmm. way too hard when you do that. And I have Embiid right there in the second tier with guys like Giannis and Harden and Luka and Lillard. And my first wow. tier is LeBron, Katie, Kawhi, and Steph, just so everyone's clear. So I have him <laughs> right up there in that second tier. Because when, when he's on, like we see what he can do. He is legitimately probably the best defensive big in the league. I would take him over Gobert because I think his switching's a little better. I think he's a better one-on-one post defender. And then offensively, in the post, he's legitimately unstoppable. He can shoot yeah. the ball decently. Like he's not a liability from three. And you know, when you when, what you get with Simmons is obviously come the playoffs, they're just gonna rondo defense him. And you're basically restricted to only putting him in the short corner for him to be effective unless he's on if if he's running the fast break. So I would keep Embiid, which I know is the unpopular decision. Well, that's why if you move Embiid, right? If you move Embiid, that's why you talk about a ball handler, because at least if you move Embiid and you get a ball handler back, Simmons can be the screener and he can be on offense. At least he's screening and he's being able to dive, you know, because he can, I mean, he really could be a great screen and diver and wait, wait, catch wait, wait, lobs wait. and stuff. That's what you're you're going to keep Simmons just to turn him into a screen and diver? Like, this guy needs to have... Well, his, if the, his, the thing about Simmons is he's a transition monster, which in the playoffs we've seen... Hello, Pascal. I love you too. It, it does not necessarily translate all the time when he's your best player. So I think that's the bigger problem. I, the, I, I agree with you, and I agree, I agree with you, but at the end of the day, right, like, you need guys who are going to be malleable, and, the, and that's a way for Simmons to continue to be involved in the game without being in the dunker spot. As it and if that's the case as a screener, obviously not ideal. Yes. The problem with Embiid that we always talk about is what kind of shape is Joel Embiid going to be in? And until he decides that that is an, as a priority, as it clearly was for Giannis, who looks like he's sculpted out of marble now, right? It, that was a priority for Giannis. It has not been a priority yet for Embiid, and until it is, he cannot be trusted as a franchise player. Yeah, I I guess back to that kind of Simmons as a dive man thing. I. I don't know how effective he would be as just a straight role man like a Capella is or a Jarrett Allen. I think you would mm-hmm. kind of have to set some higher screens closer to half and use them into the short role like Golden State does with Draymond or Portland Draymond. does with Nurkic. The only the hard part with Simmons there, you get him in a short role. Sure, he can make fantastic passes out of there, but the defense isn't going to have to respect him the same amount because he still won't shoot mid-ranges. You know, right. a guy like Draymond will, a guy like Nurkic can. So I, I don't know how utilizing Simmons as a screener is as effective i get it can be more effective than him as your primary ball handler but i still don't see it as a way where if you're just keeping him to be your role man you might as well have just kept mb to do the same thing at a more True. effective rate so what we've decided is that this situation's a mess and we don't know what to do uh but if they can get off one of those two contracts we'll see so we're going to move on to our next segment and that's going to be where to next so what hmm. sean and i did we uh picked a picked a few guys that are free agents or could be free agents and we want you we want you to tell us how much money they're getting and where is the most fun destination for them to land so for example for example uh our first one is gordon hayward the most likely scenario probably sees him picking up that team option but the most fun option could be something completely different so let's start there where to next for gordon hayward most um, most fun option. He declines it and he goes to Atlanta. Uh, he's a secondary. Yes, he's a secondary ball handler with Trey Young. 
He can shoot off it. You have Clint Capella as a dive man who's fantastic. Um, get him next to John Collins. Get him next to guys like Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, kind of help those guys develop and grow. Uh, I think I think that's probably the most fun. It sucks doing it this offseason, this thing. Next offseason, this segment is absolute, absolutely slaps. This offseason, there's like four sure. teams with cap space, and they're all just bottom feeders. But anyways, yeah, I think Atlanta uh, for Gordon Hayward would be the most fun. But what's the most likely, Zach? Is the most likely he's taking the money, right? I, I have I have to see him opting in. Now, 30, whether Boston, 34 yeah. million. Whether Boston goes about trading him after that, I don't know. But I think the most likely immediate case is he signs there and, yeah, picks up the money. So let's cycle this back to one of the stands. Ian, as the hoops head, where do you see Gordon? I think he picks it up. But... I do like Atlanta. They were high on my list. A team I, I a team that would be really interesting, other than Atlanta. Um, obviously, Indiana is interesting. Utah is interesting. Orlando is interesting. Utah is interesting for a whole bunch of reasons. Well, to be fair, of none of those teams on their own are interesting. Just for Hayward, let's just make sure that we right. clarify this just a little but bit. But the Watch one him get booed I, when he comes back, <laughs> right, 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 right. The one I like is Portland, and. Mm. I like I like the fit. Portland has needed a wing for oh god, as long as I can remember. They've needed a wing. Now, is Hayward the answer to their prayers? I don't know. But no. and it would likely have to be in a sign, sign and trade. So, you know, would you do a sign and trade with Rodney Hood, Trevor Ariza, and one of Zach Collins or Anthony Simons? I don't know if I'd go that far. But that that right there probably gets Hayward three years, 50 million, something like that, a sign and trade. I like it for Portland. What do you think about Portland? I personally think Portland should go more for like a, a, a four type, like a power forward. Um, I know a lot of people are linking LaMarcus Aldridge there. I think that'd be good. Uh, <laughs> I would, would like to kind of see them help Detroit blow it up and go grab Blake Griffin, which yes. I know yes. that's, a, that's a big like trade like in that. itself. But um, when you can pair Blake Griffin with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, I think out of the possible power forwards or forwards I can get traded there, like Gordon Hayward, Kevin Love, Aldridge, I think Griffin provides you probably the highest ceiling. Like if he can get back to the way he was, he can be a ball handler at this point too. Um, he probably provides you the highest ceiling, but probably the lowest potential floor because he's been injured a lot the past few years. We don't know what he brings you. Uh, so I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind the Gordon Hayward trade, but I would love to see them go after Blake or even Aldridge. There seems like to be a lot. Big anyway. Seems to be a lot of vultures kind of swimming around the Indiana possibility here, and I get it, right? Miles Turner being the big that, in theory, would be perfect for Boston. I think in practice, he's much less consistent than what everyone kind of pins him as, right? Um, with that said, you know that Miles Turner plus for Hayward plus. It's sitting there. I don't know. I, I, I think he's taken thirty-four million personally. But let's move on to the next one. He's from Indiana too. Yes, yeah, so Butler. Yeah, uh, Hassan Whiteside. Ooh, Zach Wilson. Did you think you're talking Hassan Whiteside on this podcast? And second, where to next for Hassan Whiteside? I have no idea. <laughs> I I don't know who. The, the hard thing about Whiteside is he's not bad enough to the point where no one's going to want him. But he's not a commodity to the point where uh, a contender is going to be like, this is the piece we need. He's the guy we need. So, like, I don't know. I Maybe back to Portland on, on like, uh, on a one-year thing. I just, I really don't know with, with Whiteside. I, I, I would assume he stays. Um, is, uh, he'd, 
unrestricted free agent, I'm guessing for sure. Yeah, UFA, yeah, straight yeah, UFA. No, he, yeah. He's well past his rookie deal. Um, Yeah, maybe maybe a one-year deal back to Portland, and then he enters the pool again in 2021 where every team has money. Uh, but, hey, I always I always preface any offseason thing this offseason with the Knicks have money, and they will throw it at anyone, especially big men. Well, there, the, there is one team. Uh, doesn't he just feel like a king? Doesn't he just feel like a Sacramento King? It's just, it's kind of sitting there. I feel like they don't have seven centers. I feel like they, like they normally have in the past. I feel like they need another center. I feel like Hassan's going to the Kings, Ian. Uh, the team I like for him, and let me preface this. I can't stand Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside is the poor man's Andre Drummond. It's one of those, it's one of those guys where, where dumb teams can talk themselves into someone like that because they see the stats and like, oh my God, he's 13 rebounds for per 36, whatever the hell he is. And then he gets on the court and it's like he doesn't try. So to me, I like and I I shouldn't say I like. I could see a Golden State reclamation project where he goes in the JaVale McGee role. I think that could be enjoyable. JaVale McGee, when they basically brought him out of nothingness, like revived him from the debt. And now, you know, he's a champion and he's, you know, probably going to get some money on the open market. I could see Golden State there. I uh, Very possible. Yeah, I don't know. I've actually been asked about what big I would think would go to Golden State. I think Marcus Gasol mm. fits best there. He could Ooh, play. It. Does he ever? He, yeah. he, he could basically be just oh. a bigger Draymond. You know, he doesn't fit any sort of rim running um, fit for Steph or Clay, but they don't really run a ton of screen and roll with those guys anyway. It's a lot more off ball action, a lot more ball movement. So I, I think Mark fits there well. Imagine those my- guys buzzing off of Mark. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you're breaking Gary. my heart, Zach. Let's let's <laughs> come on. Let's all right. Let's move on to someone else who breaks things a lot. Danilo Gallinari is the next one on our list, who is a I believe he is a full UFA. Yes, yeah, I believe. And coming off a very good season for the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder was involved in that massive deal. Zach, where to next for Danilo Gallinari? You know what the most fun is, which I mean, isn't even possible. I would just love to see him go to Washington and watch him <laughs> wall and Beal put up like 160. I just feel like they need a guy who can be kind of a three or a four next to, to Bertons and those two and just go all in on the offense. Um, but obviously not possible. Um, I'll probably say amazing. Miami though. I think, That's, I think my, I think Miami. I have I think, as well. And there was already, you know, kind of trades lined up for him to go there. Uh, we right. were told in the off season, uh, he'd be a great secondary scorer next to Butler. They went to the finals last year. They could probably make it back. Uh, team number two that would be in those fun would be Dallas because if he can stretch the floor next to Luca, if they can run kind of horn sets with him and Kristaps, that could be really fun too. And we know they like white Europeans. So I just, I think that would, that'd be a good fit. I think both of them have the same problem. Both of them want to be in the pool next summer. And I think that's where you're going to have a bit of an issue there, right, Zach, is the fact that a guy like Danilo isn't signing a one-year contract, right? With, with his track record, you have to think he's going to want to take security. I, I tried the Miami route as well, uh, you know, just starting BAM, full-time center, uh, enough of the Myers-Leonard experiment and all that. It's just BAM next to Danilo, Butler, uh, Hero, and pick a point guard. You know, I just – I felt like that made a lot of sense, and they really were buzzing around him. That was the only name that I had written down, Ian. Uh, I got a couple. I could see a little bit of a fit in Portland. I'm not obsessed with Portland, I promise. You did live one. there for four and a half years. Is this yeah. your bias coming out? Yeah, but but I do think there's a little bit of a fit there. Um, the most fun destination for me, for him, would be him standing next to DeAndre Ayton 
in Phoenix. And I would love to see, you know, you could do, would you go three years, 52, 54 on Gallo? That would make me a little uneasy, but you know, you could do a sign and trade with like Kelly Oubre and Frank Kaminsky and get there pretty easy. So I don't mind that fit. What do you think, Zach? Can I bring up to you my Phoenix trade? Like my personal one that I've already made? Let's do it. Let's do Come it. on. So this is my absolute favorite. And I'm not anti-Ricky Ruby. I think he's great. But I want to see them get another point guard, one that's better, one that fits next to Booker better, kind of can shoot off ball. So what I did is I composed a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder to send Chris Paul and Mike Muscala to Phoenix for Rubio, Kaminsky, Ubre, and the number 10 pick. And that might be a little bit much to give up for Chris Paul, but he just came off an all-NBA caliber season. He's still an all-star. The contract isn't absolutely horrible anymore because it's only two more years. And I think a Booker, Chris Paul, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Aiden starting live, I think that's a playoff oh. team, even in, the, even in the craziness of the West. Well, you did us a okay. favor here, Zach, because we're hitting 30 minutes in the podcast. And Ian, I think you just checked one off of our list, didn't he? That was my third trade. I had it. Uh, Chris Paul. <laughs> that exact for one? Ricky, for Ricky, Chris Paul for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, and Kaminsky. I didn't put Muscala in there. So basically the same trade. I love CP, CP3, Book, Bridges. You know, if they, you know, maybe they go bring back Sarich at the power forward. I don't think it matters because I think that group is so good. You Maybe you play Cam Johnson there. Um, and Aiden, who came on like crazy. I love that trade. As soon, as soon, as soon <laughs> as you said Phoenix, I texted Sean in the column and, and legit said he's going to go CP3. Of course. I think it's a perfect fit. Well, that's good for OKC too because Ubre himself is only 24, 25. He fits that young core in OKC, which is a really sneaky, solid young core with Shea, Dort, and Baisley. Ubre fits them perfect. You get a guy in Rubio who goes back, who is another guy who can kind of help groom and mentor uh, Shea, a really solid point guard, and he keeps them kind of relevant. Uh, the other thing, I guess, kind of back to Gallo, I don't see, I see a, a route where he goes back to OKC. I don't know why OKC is necessarily you know, force. I don't know why they have to trade Chris Paul if they're not going to get anything of asset back. Because what we've heard True. is maybe it'll be more of a salary dump. So why wouldn't they just keep it for a year, re-sign Gallo? They're still, you know, they were what, the fifth seed this year? Why can't they they do that again with the same group? So I I mean, it, it kind of seems like they're set on OKC. But then again, I think Sam Presti's a smart enough GM to the point where if he realizes he's not getting value back for Chris Paul, they could run it back and they could compete in in the West. Well, let's get to a player that you mentioned today in your article. It's uh, Mr. Sixth Man Montrez Harrell, mm. who is now a UFA. Um, Zach, where to next for Mr. Harrell? Uh, so I, I think I put it in the article that either him it. to Toronto is a done deal or he's putting on the greatest troll job ever. <laughs> and we saw, like, because we saw people post how he only follows the Raptors on Instagram. And I, typically don't like to buy into the Instagram rumors and all that because guys are friends, guys know each other. But when you're following the Raptors as a team, like that's weird. Like it's not like he's following Kyle Lowry and Pascal. He's following the Raptors team page. And then he comes out and creates his own AAU team and calls them the team Trez Raptors. And their logo is the old Raptors logo. So that's weird in itself. And he posted it on his like snap story or something and said new threads. So that like, I don't know what he's doing. Um, I personally appreciate either way if he's trolling every Raptors fan or he's going to go to Toronto. I think he would kind of fit well next to Kyle Lowry in Toronto because we've seen what Kyle Lowry can do with Chris Boucher and 
Bebe, he makes them look like absolute great pick and roll divers. So I could only imagine what he would do with a guy like Harrell. But I don't think he's going to Toronto. I just, maybe he is. I don't know. I think his value really diminished in the playoffs. I could still see a team like Charlotte offering him like a three-year deal and him taking that. Um, But I would say either the Clippers, uh, Charlotte, or the Raptors. And not necessarily the Raptors, like I mentioned, from a realistic spot, but just from all those clues, like I have to at least put them in the conversation. Okay, so before I get to the one that I think is most fun, I want to ask you, let's say for fun, Toronto is the answer. What, in your estimation, would be a good number for him? while also preserving what we know we want to do. It has to be a one-year deal at that point. Right. has to be a one-year deal. Yeah, I think at that point, well, I think you're looking at the bigs and you're going to give one of them a one-year balloon deal, whether it's Serge, Mark, or Montrez. Out of those three, I would personally lean Serge if I was asked to pick out of those three. Mm -hmm. Uh, Me too. But, I mean, you could give Montrez like a one-year 15, maybe even a a one-year mid-level if he's willing to accept it and no one's offering him more because people know that Toronto is a place where you go to like revitalize your career. And I yes. don't want to say his career needs to be revitalized, but he could definitely play one year in Toronto and absolutely boost his stock heading into next free agency. As I've mentioned way too many times where every team has money and has the ability to pay him. Right. So I guess the max I'd go would be like 15, but I would really want to make sure that Serge and Fred are back first. I think they're the priority. And to me, the most fun, um, most fun would be to me is Houston. You know, I know he started there, was in the Chris Paul trade. Um, I think, you know, I, I obviously I don't know Silas personally, but you have to think he's going to want to have at least one semi big on the roster. If Harold counts as a big at six, eight, whatever he is, six, seven, six, eight. Um, but I think, you know, putting together a lineup with P.J. Tucker, Covington, Harrell, Westbrook, Harden, I mean, from an effort standpoint, they're not going to be fun to play against, which I think is what Houston needs to get back to, is to you go into Houston's gym and they're either going to run you out of it or they're, every loose ball is going to be up for it. So I could see a nice fit in Houston, how they make that happen. I have no idea. I'm not smart enough for that. We can talk fun as much as we want. He's staying with the Clippers. There's, there's no two ways about it. They, they do not have cap space to go out and get more talent. They do not have the assets to go and acquire more talent with, with, with a, when the draft pick capital that they gave up to get the Paul George Kawhi Leonard. He's staying with the Clippers. They'll pay him a little bit more. He's going to stay there. They need that, that talent off the bench, even though he was terrible in the bubble. All that, not many people shooting 0% from three in the NBA these days. Montrez is one of them. We can talk fun all we want. It's what we're here for. We want to have fun on the podcast. But let's get to the last one here, Zach. That's Davis Bertans, who skyrocketed his value this year, was with the Spurs, and then became the most Spursian player that I can remember, but in Washington. Where to next for Davis? Yeah, I do want to say that was the best trade the Spurs have ever made, trading George Hill for Kawhi and Bertans. Like, I don't know if you can get much better than that. Obviously, Bertans didn't explode till he got to Washington. Overall, I think he'll probably stay. I think Washington will offer him money because they want to compete and they want to see what Wall and Beal can do. But as far as the most fun, uh, I kind of want to see him end up in Boston, maybe. I don't know. They need some bench scoring. They need some shooting. Um, Another fun team, I think, would be Atlanta again, if you could Mm -hmm. put him next to Capella to space the floor. Uh, But yeah, I'd go. You guys love Atlanta. You guys are having a lot of fun with Atlanta right now. I love Atlanta. I, I, I just... 
so when if you listen to me ever talk about Trey Young, it would sound like I'm super low on him and I don't like him. I think he's super fun. He's amazing offensively. Defensively, probably the worst player in the league, but offensively, he's right up there. He's right up there in the top 20, top 15 offensive players in the league. And Capella is literally the perfect fit for him. I'm huge on Capella. I think he's, you know, one of the best centers when you're looking for a rim runner and rim protector. Maybe he is the best when you're just looking at those aspects of the game. So, yeah, and they're one of the few teams with cap space. So it just makes sense. I love that deal. I love the Capella deal for Atlanta. I think he's a nice fit there. The, the, the team I got here is, this is just for my boy, Dwayne Casey. I, I is it go Portland? to Detroit. No, no, it's not Portland. We took them off the list for this one. <laughs> Although he would be good there. Um, I like so him in Detroit. Won. Yeah, I like him in Detroit, um, especially if they trade Blake. For no other reason other than I just want Dwayne Casey to have good players. I feel bad. Like that situation, that is right now, I think, the barest situation in the league. They have no high-end prospects. They It's not like they have a glut of picks. Like that is just – the cupboard is so bare. Um, I think they're going to go – You really Friday. think it's but worse I, than New York? Yeah, but at least with New York, I guess it all depends on what you think of RJ, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I you know, and – Detroit's just just, like, just bad enough. They're just good enough to not be terrible. You know that that's. Whereas New York is just objectively awful. Like Detroit's yeah. disgusting. But and you're talking to a former like grew up Piston fan. It they are just they're purgatory is what they are. That's a tough thing. Yeah, I mean, like I don't hate Seku Dumboya. Obviously, he's not like a crazy prospect. Uh, the only thing with Detroit is if Blake does pan out, you still have an All Star level player there. So, yeah. but then again, and they already have something Bert- to move. They already have Bertans. They have Mahaluk. So, what do they need Bertans for? Uh, I just, I the most. It's not fun. I think he goes back to the Spurs. Why not give him back to Pop? Let Pop have his toys before he retires. So, that's where to next. Let's get to the main event. We've had our appetizers. Let's get to the main course. Fake trades. This is the way that this is going to go. We were just going to throw them to you, but what's the fun in that, Zach? We're going to let you. We're going to pick a GM for you to be in the deal. And you get to say, I'm in or I'm out, and then give a little bit of overarching on the actual deal itself. So I'm going to go first. You are the Orlando Magic. I am Golden State, and I call. Get it, man. And finally, someone other than the Raptors is being offered Andrew Wiggins in the number two overall pick. But I'm asking for Nikola Vucevic. Your answer. Uh, I, uh... <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like this one. I don't, I don't dislike it. I feel like if I'm Orlando, I would maybe just want to keep Vucevic because, you know, I, Wiggins and the number two pick, especially in this year's draft, isn't necessarily going to get me much in return. And we know that it's not just championship or bust. Sometimes GMs and owners just like making the playoffs because it brings you extra revenue and it's just good for the franchise. So I don't know if I would do that if I'm Orlando. I'm definitely thinking about it because that number two pick, it's the number two pick, whether it's in a good draft or a bad draft, you still have a high chance at a player. Uh, If this was last year's draft, I'm probably doing that trade. But in this year's one where the number two pick is, who knows, maybe I just draft Wiseman and I get another center back to match my other six centers on the roster. Uh, I think Golden State would absolutely love that, and I can see why they would offer that. Um Orlando might do it. I probably personally wouldn't, but um, I'm definitely hesitant and I'd be willing to kind of tinker around with it. 
Well, and I think too, the, the beauty of the Vucevic contract is that it actually, it actually deescalates as it goes along. I think this year it's 26, then the following year, 24, and then the following year, 22. So that's always kind of nice when you, mm-hmm. when you have a player that's going down in value as you go. So, okay. So you are, you are Orlando again. Now I'm going to preface this. It's not Portland. It is not Portland, but this is a guy that has been linked to Portland before. Um, Orlando is going to be giving up Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross. In return, they will be getting Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, and the, what is it, the 19th pick in the draft this year. What are your thoughts as Orlando again? I think I would, I think I would need more. Because uh, once again, really? I'm, not, I'm, not necessarily, I'm not necessarily inclined to trade either of those guys. You know, Even with those two guys giving up, it's not like I'm bottoming out. I still have Aaron Gordon. I still... Maybe of Isaac if he comes back later in the year. MCW is not too bad. Faults has really started to look Bo good. Oh, Bomba, baby. If, if you could throw, back. like, I, I know, yeah, I, I don't want another center in the deal. If you could throw Jared <laughs> Allen, maybe then I'm interested. But I just, like, as Orlando, maybe on 2K I make that deal because then I can just sim the season and then get my draft picks. But when you still have a full season to play and you're not necessarily inclined to trade those guys, I just, I don't see the the reason to sell low because Vucevic is really like an all-star level player. Like in the playoffs, he was probably a top 10 player, even though when he lasted one round, he was amazing in those playoffs. Absolutely. Well, let's clarify. So, so the deal, this one doesn't include Vucevic. So this one includes is just Aaron Gordon and Ross. So then, yeah. So even still, we jumble too much Orlando. We do. It's too much Orlando, (laughs) but let's pivot this quickly. (laughs) That's That's my bad. Does that fit work for Brooklyn? Because Ian and I battled about this today. I don't love the fit of, of Aaron Gordon on Brooklyn because of the Kevin Durant factor. He's now a four. I, I And Aaron Gordon's just not a three. We've seen that. But but Durant can guard threes. Or sorry, Durant can, can play outside on offense, guard fours on defense. Aaron Gordon can guard threes on defense, play the four on offense. Do you like the, that fit for Brooklyn? Yeah, I think Aaron Gordon probably has to transition more into a Draymond Green type role if he wants to kind of fit in on a contender. And I think you could start Kyrie, Terrence Ross, Kevin Durant, Aaron Gordon, and Jared Allen, or I guess DeAndre Jordan to make Kyrie and Katie happy, which I don't get. And then have a guy like Karis LeVert be your Lou Williams off the bench. So I don't hate the fit. Aaron Gordon would have to adjust to make that quote-unquote fit work. Um, but if he's willing to take on more of just a, a ball mover role, a tough defender role, because if you watch those, that Raptors series, um, it was two years ago now, I guess he defended Kawhi fairly well. He, he obviously isn't a Draymond on that end, but he can be a Draymond light. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't hate the fit. No, if he's willing to adjust. I think the main thing needs to be is, and, and I, I don't like to rule out situations. So Steve Nash is the new coach, although don't ask Kyrie, um, can Steve Nash just just play Sean Marion film to Aaron Gordon for like 72 straight hours? And then maybe he understands it. Like, okay, like if I do all this little stuff, like I could be an amazing player. And I think that has to be where Gordon goes. And I think, you know, for Orlando, I, I love Aaron Gordon. So for me, I'm maybe not the person to ask. I Just because I find his potential so tantalizing. But for Brooklyn, you get two guys that probably slide right in the lineup. Obviously, for for Brooklyn, you know, Terrence Ross replaces probably Joe Harris. And Orlando, you get two starters. Dinwiddie's going to hop in the lineup, most likely as the starting guard. And Prince may start at the three. I don't know who else would be in there. So, and the 19th pick in the draft. Yeah, yeah, but he should be playing the four anyway. 
So this is a this is a way for Orlando to start getting rid of some of that glut. Get rid of some of the glut in the front court and fill it up in other places. And this is a draft that is littered with role players. 19 can get you a serviceable role player. So I don't I that one I don't mind. That one I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Sean, what's our next one? Yeah, well, Zach took our next one. So I'm gonna throw my alternative for Chris Paul. My <laughs> alternative for Chris Paul. I had that exact one. It's you crazy. are going, you're gonna be Oklahoma City. Okay. I'm Chicago. It. I'm calling and I'm saying you can have Kobe White. Cody White? Kobe? It's one of the two. Right? I'm Oklahoma City. Okay. Yeah, you get Cody White, Kobe White, whatever his Kobe, first name yeah. is. Kobe. You get you get Mr. White and Otto yeah. Porter Jr. No picks. And I'll take Chris Paul. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Kobe white. I think he's really good. I, I mean, I don't know why Chicago does it. Maybe they just want to be relevant for a year or two. Uh, that's why exactly Kobe white, Kobe white's probably the, probably the most promising player on that roster right now. Whether you, whatever you think of Mark over Wendell and marketing. Ooh, I love Wendell. I just, I I think Kobe white as a ball handler and as a creator, what we saw out of him towards the end of last year he can really transform your offense. And Markkanen has really started to slip. I like Wendell Carter for sure. And that's not me saying I don't like Markkanen, but I just, right. I really right. like what Kobe White has to offer. And and like I said, if you're OKC, if you're getting assets in return for Chris Paul, I would make the trade. But if it's just a salary dump, then I don't see the use. So in that in that trade, yeah, you're getting back assets. And even a guy like Otto Porter is, is useful and he's still young and maybe you can re-sign him. You have no reason that, you can't pay out his contract because you're not trying to sign a star with the cap space. Yeah, it's o- it's only be relevant. They got Billy Donovan now in Chicago. They they have these two bigs who, again, they clearly believe in. They have talent. Can they stay healthy? You want a guy who can get them the ball. And I would just love to see Chris Paul chew out Zach Levine for 82 straight I, games. So that would be fantastic. I'd love they, they it make the more. Yes, I'd love they it would. more if it was Levine. If it was Levine going, you could really talk me into it if I'm Chicago. Because I like Paul mentoring the young kid if it's Levine going. But I don't want to give up on, on Kobe yet. I like that guy. I mean, I think Levine is the guy that needs to go so everything else, everyone else can be involved in the process. That is, that's think, my personal opinion. I think OKC would do it definitely if Levine was was on the way out because he's near an all-star caliber player. And, True. Uh, I think him and Shea could work well together, especially with Dort and Baisley. I just, I, mm. I love their young core. It's so underrated oh, so and good. there's not like, I wouldn't take them over guys, young cores like Memphis or new Orleans or Denver, but mm. I really, really like it. They're on the way. All right. Next one. So Sacramento is going to get wacky here. All right. Sacramento is going to get wacky because they have to, they're Sacramento. It's like the law. So you're going to be, uh, you're going to be Sacramento here. And the trade is going to be Buddy Heald to New Orleans, back to the team that drafted him. And going back to Sacramento is going to be Darius Miller's expiring, $7 million, and one Lonzo Ball. So, again, Ball and Miller for Buddy Heald. And we've talked about the Heald problem in Sacramento. Mr. Stan Van Gundy in New Orleans now is the new head coach. Loves shooting around a focal point, I guess, big which Zion, I guess, would be, although he's just sort of in everything. So we can see it from their point. How does Sacramento get on board? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Pairing up Lonzo and De'Aaron, a couple of college rivals. Uh, yes, the best I college game know. I've seen in a while, that one. Great. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if I necessarily can see them working well together because neither of them are fantastic off-ball shooters. I think as a fast break tandem, that would be – 
absolutely electric, especially with uh, Bagley there, who's a, who's a pretty quick big. I, yeah, I don't know if Sacramento would take Lonzo and De'Aaron unless they're at the point where they realize, you know what, maybe we don't make the playoffs this year and we just kind of accumulate assets. And Lonzo Ball is still a promising young player and maybe we can flip eventually or he can get his shot together and they're, him and De'Aaron are kind of serviceable enough to play with each other. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm overly on board if I'm Sacramento, but I do like the kind of concepts of getting back a young player. So let me let me explain to you my side of it, my side of it, because this one was my weird. It is, and I was just telling him Zach that this is wrong. You literally took the words out of my <laughs> mouth. That, that okay. There's no way that this can work. Okay, so for obvious reasons, it works in New Orleans. If yes. you're Sacramento, the Buddy Heel thing isn't working anyway. He's got uh, what does he have left? Ninety-seven point six million left on his contract for a player that doesn't want to be there. That's not overly ideal. Your roster's a bit jumbled anyway. So why not kind of lean in? You know, you you play this up-tempo style with Luke Walton where they're going to run like crazy. And without the national attention that Lonzo was getting with LA and then was getting when Zion came on in New Orleans, if you remember, Lonzo was really good at the beginning of the year. And then as the year went on, he completely cratered. And I don't know if that's an attention thing, but if you bury him in Sacramento where all he's going to do is hoop and not have to worry about anything else, I'd be curious to know he's an interesting buy low candidate. You know, I want, I don't really want any big part in his extension. That's not going to be ideal, but I kind of like, you know, he was the number two pick in the draft. I don't mind taking a gamble on a guy like Lonzo. If I'm trading a guy who doesn't, who doesn't want to be here anyway. That would be my only defense. And, you know, Fox is a decent enough shooter. You're right. And spotting up is definitely not his strength. You would need a ton of shooting around them. But whatever. I want Sacramento to get wacky. That's what we did. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like if you're trading for Lonzo, you're trading to extend him and to keep him long term. It's right. not just like a, a short term piece that this is our one year with him. We're going to win the championship with him and then let him go. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't know how they feel about extending both of them and then Bagley and then whatever type of money Bogdanovich gets this offseason. That's another interesting one. Well, like All I said, right, you, took the, you took the words out of my mouth, but let's get to a, a more blockbuster trade. Zach, you are the Washington Wizards, and Denver is calling and saying, Sorry, man. Zach, I'm going to offer you Gary Harris, PJ Dozier, Bull Bull, Michael Porter Jr., Number 22 in the 2020 draft and a 2021 Denver first unprotected pick. Am I getting Bradley Beal in Denver? If it's me, easily. If it's their their current regime, I, I it seems like they want to run it back. I actually, so I went on the Playgrounder trade pod. There's another cheap plug for the, the Playgrounder. Um, and I actually way. offered almost this exact trade. I, I, I actually offered less. I offered... Gary Harris, Bull Bull, Michael Porter Jr., and the first for this year. I didn't even offer Dozier and then whatever you said, another second or a another, first. Another so unprotected first, yeah. If I'm watching, I'm, I'm doing that for sure because Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull, as much as they are injury risks, they both have super high ceilings. Gary Harris is another guy who had an off year, but still young and still a guy with a lot of promise. And then once again, draft picks, you're just building your kind of war chest of assets. You can never go wrong with accumulating draft picks. And then we saw P.J. Dozier this year um, just that one game, but it was a really promising one game where he guarded LeBron and he uh, made some big plays offensively. You know, he didn't make his free throws, but he's another guy with promise. So if I'm Washington, I'm for sure doing that. I don't think Washington has any interest in trading Beal in real life, though. 
No, I agree. I, with I, you. I do think Beal has gotten to the point where I now I think Bradley Beal's awesome, but I think it's gotten to the point now where are we overrating him just a little bit? Like a little bit? Like I heard a I heard a fake no, trade that was what? No, I heard a fake trade the other day that was Ben that was Simmons for Beal. And if you're Washington, right? If you're Washington, I think Simmons is such a higher end, can be such a higher oh, end. Oh, no way. You're crazy. Like Stop it. No, no. Come Defense on. is half the game. Yeah, I agree. And the other half, I, he... <laughs> Go ahead. I think please. if anything, we're still we're still underrating Beal. I think he's the second Thank best shooting you. guard in the league. If if you're still considering Harden a shooting guard, I don't know what. If you consider Harden a point guard, I think Beal's the best shooting guard in the league. So I don't you know think, how you think did. you take Beal over Clay. I I would. I think Beal. Ooh, Beal that's close. This the stats. And you, and you know your year. hoops. I'm not. I'm not talking shit. You know your hoops. That 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 is high praise. And once again, I always preface any sort of you know. Would you take this guy over this guy? With, right. Well, what does the rest of my team look like? And sure. I love Clay. To the moon and back. Oh. I think him and Beal are as close as it gets. But what Beal can do off the dribble and mm-hmm. running around screens and as a ball handler is unreal. And defensively, like, not the greatest, but he's not an absolute horrendous mess on that end. He's no True. play. But Beal, I think, is literally the best offensive shooting guard in the league as long as we're considering Harden a point guard, which I just do at this point. I agree well, with I you think 100%. Too, the, the, and I, did, you, did you have him in your All-NBA teams? Because I did, and my brother killed me for it. I had him on my third team. So did I. Come on, well, Ian. I, I Welcome to the we, party. We we have gotten to the point now with NBA judgment that we put winning on such an individual level. Did we really expect him to win when his teammates in his starting lineup was Troy Brown Jr., Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant, Davis Bertans? Like his second best player was probably Troy Brown Jr., who as much as a great young piece he is, he's not doing anything this year. I just hate how we go, well, you're playing well, but you're not winning. It's like, Put him on, put him next to some guys, and then maybe he'll win. We saw him and John Wall were consistent playoff teams every year. Bradley Beal, you guys know as Raptors fans, would kill the Raptors. Even Ugh. when the Raptors beat them 1-8, Beal was still as scary as there was. So I think Beal is absolutely amazing. I think you put him on a contender, and he can be the second best player in a championship team. He's just, he is so, so good. And I love his fit with Denver because I think what Jamal needs, they need a second off the bounce creator because I think the ability, I think I'd love to see Jamal in more catch and shoot situations that weren't from necessarily either handoffs from uh, Jokic or even, you know, post kickouts. I think we'd be really good to see Beal as a creator in that offense. I think that is obviously a no brainer. If Denver can do it, they should do that. No question. And, And if it means that Michael Porter and all your picks, like, I think Beal's great. Just do it. Um, I personally would rather have Devin Booker, but that's just me. So I'm going <laughs> to jump while I drop that ball. I'm going to jump to the next one. Um, the, and this is the last fake trade we have. So as Raptor fans, we had to put this one in there. So you're going to be, hmm, you're going to be Indiana. You're going to be Indiana. And Victor Oladipo is going to go to the Raptors. And it's going to be Victor Oladipo for Norman Powell. Pat McCaw's expiring, Stanley Johnson's expiring, and 29 in this year's draft. What do you think? Uh, I don't see. Here's the thing. Indiana has so many guards. I don't know if they I do. want another guard back. And I think I can get a better prospect than Norman Powell, even though Victor Oladipo is still recovering from injury. I think He's if I this. get that offer... 
Yeah. And I think if I get that offer and that's the best offer I have, I just kind of hold out to the deadline, let Oladipo kind of prove his stock. And if he Mm. disproves it, well, then I made a wrong judgment. And that's that. I don't think I would do that if I'm Indiana, just because I think you can you can get a bit higher end of a prospect or uh, at least a better win now player. Well, more fun, Zach. Would you do that for the Raptors? Because obviously there is a lot of underlying positives here, not just from a uh, not just from a, a talent perspective, which obviously we haven't seen the talent from Old Depot for 18 plus months now. But to Ian, and Ian made this point earlier, it does show to future potential free agents that we are willing to roll the dice. Not that we haven't showed it already with trading our franchise player away to get the third best player in the NBA at the time who brought us a title. But it does have some has some motives there, doesn't it? It's oh, it's, I think it's worth the risk. And if I'm a Cy, it takes away Nick Nurse's card of being able to play Pat McCaw 25 minutes a game. <laughs> so, but I think it's worth very the risk. True. I do like Norman Powell, and he's obviously, um, he was very consistent this year for as much as the name of his kind of weakness has been inconsistency. He was very good this year despite getting injured twice. Um, but yeah, I think I would, I would roll the dice fire the Raptors because once again, Toronto is just a place where you can go and you can just build your stock. Everyone yes. does it. Now, I don't, maybe Rondé didn't necessarily build his stock. I think he did up until he got benched for the entire playoffs. Um, I don't know what will happen with him. But yeah, I think Toronto's a place where you can go and build your stock for sure. And, and with Alex McKechnie, they are, I, Oh, I was just going to say, with Alex McKechnie, they have, you know, like one of yes, our, very the best important. doctor, medicine, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. kind of groups in the league. For the first time, we're going to have Masai hopefully take a page out of Kyle Dubas's book, which is if you don't want your coach playing a player, just trade him and get rid of a first-round pick if you have to. Buy Patrick Marlowe, uh, buy Ron Hainsey. You don't have to play here anymore. Ian, why don't you finish off here before we get to our final topic? I think, obviously, you're right. I mean, I don't know that it's enough for Indiana. I don't know if there's anything else that Toronto can put in that's going to sweeten them unless they really like Norman Powell, which I could understand why you'd like Norman Powell. Um, I think... This is a star trade that allows you to not cannibalize 2021. You keep your cap in order, but it also shows potential suitors that like, hey, you know, we are always willing to do this to do whatever it takes to win. And then if and, and then if you get Oladipo and he hits and you love him, then you're you're putting yourself in a position to bring him back. So I, I think that's I think that's always in a good spot. And look, I think a, a starting group and a gives you Fred VanVleet insurance, depending on what happens there. Although he's not as not nearly as uh, as good of a ball handler, but a, a lineup of Kyle Oladipo, OG Serge, and Siakam. I don't know how many teams are scoring on that group. If you're Masai, maybe it's not this package, but are you pushing a little bit, or at least poking around Oladipo, or are you too scared off by that injury? Uh, I think I, I think I'd lay off and not necessarily because of the injury. I think more if I'm re-signing Fred, you know, for four years, 80 mil, say he's getting 20 mil a year, and then I'm just re-signing him to bring him off the bench. Uh, I don't True. know how well uh, the, the the front office, or I guess I am the front office in that case. I don't know how well that kind of flies with everyone else. Um, I mean, if you can get him for a low cost, like that trade mentioned, then for sure it's worth the risk. But I think they would want a guy like Fred in the deal or, like they would ask for OG and I just think at that point it's probably right so yeah it's definitely a no (laughs) let's end let's end here before we get to quick hitters Zach because we we had a whole kind of Raptors segment that we built around it but we we, you know we've been very generous with your time so we're going to just get to one major point here and that's Terrence Davis now I'm going to feel 
I don't know if icky is the word, but I'm going to feel a little shitty about asking this question. And because I'm going to relate it to basketball. And I want to preface this with the fact that what's going on with Terrence Davis right now is way bigger than basketball. It's way bigger than a hoops podcast. This is about people's safety. This is about justice. This is about doing the right thing. And it honestly is way bigger than this. But I'm going to ask it anyways. How does this new Terrence Davis news? And let's let's just assume this guy's not here next year. Does that change your offseason plan? Because going into the offseason, you at least had a little bit of FVV insurance in your back pocket. Not that he was ready. He kind of proved that in, in the playoffs. But does this change the overall outlook of the Raptors offseason and looking at your two faces and feeling what I feel. This question sucks, but I feel like we got to ask it. Um, I feel like it could maybe because you obviously would be losing a guy who was a legitimate good piece off your bench. I don't know if it can simply from the fact that, you know, what money are you going to use if you're bringing Fred back for 18 to 20 mil a year, if you're bringing Serge back for like 15 to 18 for the one year, and I honestly really like Matt Thomas. I've said all year, I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a legitimate player in this league. I don't think he's near as bad defensively as people try to throw on him. It, he's not going to lock up your best guy, but he's like a JJ Redick. He's always going to be attentive. He's going to be in the right he place. Tries. He's going to put in a lot of effort. Exactly. And that's yep. 60% of defense. I coached college hoops for a couple year and years and you tell your guys 60% of defense is effort. You need smarts and athleticism, but none of that matters if you're not going to put in the effort. And Matt Thomas for sure puts in the effort. And offensively, we know he's literally a bucket. Like I, I, he does not miss twice in a row. And I think that's literally a fact and you can fact check me. Um, it's actually not a fact. You can't, um, but <laughs> yeah, like he was really good on the offensive end too. But yeah, I mean, you probably look for another guy. Maybe you go back to the draft and try to pull a rookie just like you did with Terrence Davis. But I don't think it can from the standpoint that you just won't have the money to do so. I think that's the point. And Ian, I'll let you get in here with the final word here. I think that's the point. This this front office, which by the way, credit me. I haven't brought up if we're worried about Messiah on this podcast. Okay. Like we're, we're this is good vibes only going on in the From the Stands podcast with Zach Wilson. Okay? With the exception of this. With the exception with of the, the Oh, yeah. That's I guess yes. 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 Uh, yes, yes. That with the exception of that. Wow, you good point. Um they've proven I'm a massive Davis fan. That the whole they don't thing need this is awful. It's awful. Yeah, they've proven that they don't. The whole need thing is the pick. whole thing is brutal. Do you, okay, Ian, go. Let's go. Get it out. This thing makes me really sad because I think that you know, for obvious reasons, I'm sad for um, that poor woman. I'm I'm sad that such a promising career could just go up in smoke because of a stupid decision. Now we obviously don't know all the details, um, but this is a player that had real promise. And this is a player that honestly we could be taught. We could have been talking about in five years, the same way we're talking about Freddie with the extension that he has coming like that, that the, the same way that we plucked Fred was the same way that we plucked Davis. And while their skill sets are completely different, there was a ton of evidence to suggest that Terrence, while maybe not at the, you know, Fred's like, you know, he's not in the all-star conversation, but like, he's like in the same apartment building. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know that Davis ever could have gotten that far, but this was a genuine player with genuine top six, top seven rotation potential in there. And I think if you're the Raptors, like, yeah, you were kind of relying on that, but this also is the reason you have the best 
player development staff in the entire league better than the Spurs. This is the entire reason that you're constantly looking overseas. You're getting guys like Matt Thomas. And I agree. I think Matt Thomas should be a top eight rotation guy for the Raptors. And because if he's for him, for him to really make a dent, he needs to be, he needs to be more involved and he's not going to be more involved as the 11th man. So while I think this does sting, I think from a ball handling perspective, I think it does hurt the fact that like you really need to bring back Fred now. I do think that it on the positive, you're right. Matt Thomas is going to be the main beneficiary. I do just hope it gets sorted out. And if any, and if this is true, then he needs to be fucking cut. Like I, my, and that, this is my point. I was trying to get to it, but I wanted to let you get this out. If he is this guy, fuck him. All right. We, we don't need that, that stuff around here. No one needs that. You know, it, oh, oh, you had a chance. Well, you fucking squandered it. Okay. So that's your problem. Okay. If he is that guy then that's that. And if he is that guy, we have Messiah and Bobby Webster who have pulled rabbits out of their ass for so long finding undrafted players, getting players late in the first round, players in the second round. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident, Zach. No, and I mean if I mean if we're being honest, there are some GMs and stuff who as much as like I don't approve of this are willing probably to look past that and would even be willing to kind of succumb to some kind of trade. I mean, we literally saw it you guys being in Toronto know that uh, the the Roberto Osuna thing with the Blue Osuna. Jays when he went through That's the same right. thing and the Jays traded him to Houston, they just had no time for it. So yeah, no, if this if this I don't like has it come out that it's for sure confirmed like he's convicted. No, no, no I, I don't. Like, I don't mean to he, say that from like a perspective of like no, all of no, he, like we're not taking it that way, Zach. But, That's not how it came across. No, yeah. there are there are charges against him, and again, mm-hmm. you are innocent until proven guilty, but the evidence is not great. So if that is who you are. Uh, from me personally, you know, GFY. Uh, if if not, then hopefully we can get through this. They already had something like this. God, in the playoffs with the assistant coach, like, yeah. Just you know what? In Masai, we trust, and we will move well, forward. And Sean Woodley on Twitter brought up a good point of how Grateful. you know ev- everyone likes to say how you know. Well, let's wait till the the it comes out that he's for sure guilty to trade him. And as much as I do believe, like you, you probably should wait till it's for sure proven, like guilty. I just I am on the side of make sure like it's for sure facts. And if it is, obviously he's got to get out of here. Right. But you know, are we saying that exact thing if it's I don't know Malcolm Miller? Are we saying well, let's just wait till we see if he's proven guilty? Or are no. we saying let's just get him out of here? So it's like it's funny how like the basketball skills can kind of relate to our, our view on it because we are still fans, but. Yeah, no, that's like that's like scum of the earth type stuff. And I just there there should be no room for it in professional sports or any profession, really. Well, in life. And let's let's right. get happy from here, Zach. You made I it like Brett, quick hitters. Let's bang through. What a transition. Zach, quick hitters is 10 questions. Yes, no, answer the question. You can pass. Do whatever you want. Okay. Are you ready? <sighs> I, I'm kind of ready. I'm scared, honestly. Like no, rapid no, fire stuff tenses this. me up. It makes it makes me anxious. Okay, first. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. First question. Does Vince Carter's jersey deserve to be retired by the Toronto Raptors? Yes. Do I explain myself or do I just say yes? No, you can explain. You can do whatever you want. Oh, I think it it has to be. And obviously the way he forced his way out, uh, horrible and all that. But he is the guy who literally kept the Raptors alive. If he wasn't there, um, who knows if the Raptors are even a franchise right now? He took them to, you know, some deep playoff runs. And obviously, we know the whole thing with the graduation, whatever you want to make of that. 
Um, but I think he has to be because even aside from the fact that he made this franchise, he's still one of the franchise's best players ever. Without question. Without question. And by the way, the the management that was that was going on with the Raptors in the time Vince Carter was here was an absolute dumpster fire. So yes, his number deserves to be retired. I agree with you. Should be on better. It. Go ahead. Better, better Raptors signing. Hito Turkaloo or Landry Fields? You know, it's really fun when we go back because we talked about Vince Carter and we go to Hito Turkaloo, Landry Fields, where it was like kind of like the mid 2000s, like 2010. I'm like, wow, I'm still like 10 years old there. Like, I really got to go back to the vault. Um, it was probably Landry Fields. I mean, Hito Turkaloo, the only thing I remember of him is that interview with Jack Armstrong where Jack asked, what was ball. the difference tonight? And he's like, ball. And there's like, <laughs> and then Jack Armstrong was stuck in a, in anywhere. But I think Landry Fields had some legitimate uh, moments with the Raptors. He started for the entire year. And yeah, I, I guess, I guess I go with Landry. Biggest heartbreak moment as a fan in any sport. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I was waiting for the options. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, that's a. We that's had a full really podcast tough. on this, and let me tell you, Zach, there was a lot of pain. So if I was, so my teams are the Raptors, Jays, Leafs, and the Carolina Panthers. The Leafs are probably like w- well below. If they were a bit higher, and I cared about them more, it would be that Boston Bruins four-one comeback. But honestly, I'd probably have to say the Carolina Panthers Super Bowl. I was Super just Bowl. distraught. We went ah. fifteen. We went fifteen and one <laughs> all year. Cam was looking like the best quarterback. Ever he was looking like he was at Auburn again. He did that with literally no O line, no receivers, and then Denver's defense came along, which literally might be the best defense of all time. And just uh, it was not good. Like it's quick follow up. Like we competed. Have you dabbed since? I don't know if I ever did. I, I still oh, you didn't dab thing. as a Cam fan. Oh, oh <laughs> I'm still I'm still a big Cam fan. I still like him. Uh, and what he's doing right now is a little tough. But I uh, no, I don't know if I was ever a big dabber. <laughs> Uh, all right. You're starting a franchise today. Giannis or Luca? Oh, Luca. I'm so big on Luca. Give me Luca. That's the correct answer. Give me Luca over any player in the league right now. Obviously not for one year. I would still take like LeBron and Kawhi went over a franchise five years. I'm taking Luca. So can I follow up with that? Is I wouldn't make it quick hitters, but you, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Is, is the Bagley pick. Because Aiton, if you have Booker, like, it's stupid. But, like, okay, I get it, all right? You went with the big because you have Booker. Is Bagley over Doncic and Trey Young over Doncic? The, that's the worst draft day decision since when? Uh, I don't know. Maybe drafting Anthony Bennett first? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could even. Ooh, it's, I, probably, I guess, it's probably even worse than that. It might not even be on. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be on this level. But I guess drafting Wiggins over Embiid, too. Um, mm. but then again, mm. this is probably worse than that. I, I don't know, like if there really oh, is one as bad, cause I am as high on Luca as anyone. I think he has ability to be literally a top five player of all time. I think you, you can go back to Odin, but, uh, l- let's move on. Um, you're Bobby Webster. I've been and a lot tw- of people on yeah, this. Yeah. I a know lot of people, it's man. Great. Congrats. You're and it's 2021, but Zach, unfortunately, Giannis <laughs> went to Dallas. He agrees with you. Luca is fantastic. He wants to play with Luca. So you missed on Giannis. Kawhi resigned with the Clippers. He's gone. Demar's agent calls you and says, Zach, let's run it back. What hmm. is your answer? <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's no disrespect to Demar. I just, 
he's not that type of player. And especially when you encounter or take in every single free agent in that class, like you can, you can still go after probably not LeBron, but you could theoretically, if he wants out Paul George, Gordon Hayward, Drew Holiday, Rudy Gobert, like there is so many. And just DeMar, he can't be your number one option and he struggles to be your number two option because the two most important things out of anyone that's not a number one option are three point shooting and defense. And he doesn't provide either of those. I will say Will Lou had the funniest analogy ever. He was, you know, have you ever played the card game president? Yep. He, or I think some people call it bum. And yep. he was saying how it's like DeMar, basically every basketball game starts from the bum position and has to give his two highest cards, <laughs> out, which are three point in defense. And I thought that was the funniest analogy ever. So uh, shout out Will Lou for that one. Will Lou, come on the pod. Will Lou, come on the podcast. It's Let's go. So good. Ian, you're up. Next one. If you no, I gotta ask. I gotta ask. Are you do you like the Christian McCaffrey extension? Oh yeah, I think Christian McCaffrey is a guy who. We, did you just come up with this be, like now, or did you have this like mm-hmm. before? No, no, he no. I just up came up now. with it now. <laughs> yeah. um, I was gonna say that's very good deep dive work. Um, no, I I like it. I think he's a guy who. Well, we've seen what Mike Davis can do at running back. Now he's a man on a mission. Christian McCaffrey's still a guy that you can put in the slot. Um, and I think that's probably the smart move. Once he comes back from injury, kind of balance running back duties between him, uh, Davis, and honestly, Curtis Samuel and use McCaffrey a lot more in the slot. You can, with Mike Davis being not only serviceable, but really good, you can play McCaffrey or receive more and he's that good. So I like it. I know the thing is don't sign running backs to big contracts because you can find anyone and Carolina is almost proving that. But I think the special thing about McCaffrey is you can move him around the field and he'll still be effective. Where were you for the Kawhi shot? Okay, so I have a great story. It's honestly not a great story at all. I was coaching <laughs> at an AAU tournament. Um, so I coached like a U18 AAU team. We were playing in the championship game on the Sunday. We lost, so that kind of sucked, and we were driving home. I had my phone propped up on my dash, streaming the game. Um, That's and not I really safe, wish Zach. I, That's not It safe. wasn't at all, but how am I going to miss a game seven? So... Hey. I wish I could say I was in the car with like three of my guys that I coached watching it, but I got home in time for the second half. I was in my living room with my parents. The shot went up. My dad leaned forward. My mom stood up. I went on my knees. All of us got in different positions. Uh, (laughs) That sounded weird in itself. Um, And we just froze and didn't say anything. And it went in and we just started screaming and my dog went berserk. And then, yeah, so I was in the living room with my parents. But before that, I was driving and watching the first half. Well, we were uh, we were actually lucky enough to be there, and no I, way! I, wow! I turned away when it hit the rim, and had time to turn back around to see it go in. <laughs> and I don't think that I've my bro, Ian was there with me, and we I, it was it was absolutely. Where, fun, where were right? you sitting? Uh, we I jumped were on Sean's like, back. Yeah, we were like right near the court. It was oh in the God. other like, end. On, so we oh, on the other we were end? behind the we were behind the 76ers bench basically. Wow. So we got That's... to feel their pain like in. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was great. How, how loud was that? <laughs> I, I've never heard anything. And then you get outside. It's just it was. Yeah, yeah it's uh, we I can literally cannot watch the shot without legit like my eyes getting heavy, like legit tears coming in my eyes. It's just one of I... those kind of things. I feel that way about the Bautista Homer versus Texas. Oh, I think me that's, too. That's, that's the loudest. Yeah. That's the loudest I've ever heard a stadium. And now I was watching on TV for both that and the Kawhi shot. And I think the only reason the J was louder because it seats more people. But 
that like when you talk about a roar of and a crowd, the build it literally the sounds like a roar. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would that seventh inning. I have a great crazy. story of where I was watching that one. I was at a football practice. I was playing and our coach was like following the score. He's like, it's been the seventh inning for the past like hour. And I was like, yeah. what do you mean? Like are people scoring runs? And he's like, no, like the scores just stopped. And we were all like kind of confused. So he pulls up on a stream and we're all like crowding around and watching on his little phone, like a 50 man football team. And then uh, obviously the Homer and all that. So that was a better story than my Kawhi shot. Next one. I have a next one for you. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? <laughs> to uh, you, to you, to you, to you. Cause there's no definitive answer. Yeah. Right. And I no. know you're a tears guy, which I can respect. Yeah. And I, by um, the way, Having Curry in your top tier, I knew we'd be best friends. Oh, he has to be. He, he oh. easily. Um, but I always I always preface it by saying, and I think if you took a shot every time I've said preface this podcast, you'd be wasted by now. But I'll preface it by saying to me, greatness encounters legacy and it takes in your impact and all that. And because of that, I would probably put Jordan, but I think LeBron is the individually best basketball player we've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think that you can have a tier. I'm, I'm more. I, I agree with the tier factor. I just think that there's a top tier in there of Kareem, LeBron, Jordan, Bill Russell. I think that they're kind of in that tier, and then you drop down to the next one. But yeah. you know what? Guts to you for for answering the question. My last one. Arrows is so hard. It's oh, impossible. It's That's the point. It's impossible. My last one. Our very first video series, which started this podcast, was built around this one question. Who would you rather build your team around Zach Wilson, Ben Simmons, or Brandon Ingram? And yes, we both chose a different person. Ooh, this is tough, especially after B.I. put up that uh, all-star type season. But I would go Ben mm -hmm. Simmons. I think, he, I think he's the better player. I think, once again, he's tougher to build a team around. But I think you can build a team around him enough that can win. You get 3 and D guys. You get Joel in there even. Um, I think Ben Simmons is a better player. And then he, on the reverse end, he can guard your opposing team's best player no matter what position he is. I feel like my position on that has changed. My position on that has changed. Well, so you were now adamant. Did I convince adamant you about Brandon? Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you convinced you me. I, you've agreed with me a lot, Zach. I'll, I'll take happy. it. Ian, your last one. So I, uh, I, did, I do have a bonus one. So this is a two-parter. Okay. What did you do when Danny Green threw the ball away? And the second um, part is how much would you have bet that Steph Curry was going to hit that shot at the end of game six? So, okay. So the first one, if you ask my parents or anyone I watch basketball with, I'm very just, I'm level-headed. I was like that as a player, as a coach, as a fan. I'm just, don't get too high. Don't get too low. If there's time on the clock, either team can win. So I was watching that and my parents, you know, and they're, they're loud, especially my mom. She loves to yell at the refs as if they can hear her through the TV. Um, and then it didn't work well when I was playing sports because she would like to yell the refs at my games. But I was very level head. I'm like, I'm like, it's okay. Like, there's still time on the clock. We can still win. I, I we're still winning at that point. Um, and I always like to never put something on one player. You know, I'm obviously like, obviously it was a bad pass, but guys could have cut to him. Guys could have got open. That kind of thing. Um, but I was so very level optimistic. headed. I, I'm very much like, okay, let's think on the positive side because if you're. It, the past happened. I can either think negatively and it can kill my mood or I can think positively and I'm still having a great time. Um, second shot. I thought it was going in. I, you don't bet on Curry to miss, especially when it's that open. I would have bet my life. It was going in. You know what? Um, I'm actually probably one of the only ones. I, oh, I, 
you obviously in the moment go, this, this is probably going in, but I had a bit of shades of uh, 2018 with the, no, no, 2016 with the Cavs. I, I just had shades of that, that uh, same kind of shot against Kevin Love, just not great not going play in. design. Just, like amazing. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Insane. And, but and then I, afterwards, I just, very smart decision by Draymond Green to call that timeout, even though they love had, it. had none. Love it. It's like Michigan and Michigan it State. <laughs> It's yeah, just, I don't he know just he wanted to be Chris Webber. He um, wanted to be Chris Webber. I love it. I love it. Uh, last one. Would you come on this podcast again? Oh, yeah. I had a great time. I love you guys. Well, we love you too. We love you so too, that's, that's, uh, that's it. That's been another edition of the From the Stands podcast. Make sure that you are checking out our friend, Zach Wilson, the Playgrounder. Make sure that you're checking out the Playgrounder podcast. Make sure that you're reading all the articles that they're putting out. Make sure you're following them all on Twitter. You will not regret it. We promise you. We were put onto this by our friend Chris Walder, and we do not regret it. Zach, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys.